Hey, you're listening to the Thunder Buddies Pod, and this episode is all about the Waterlooville Bootcamp UK location. What you're about to hear is a slice of the atmosphere at Waterlooville, followed by a little bit of an introduction into the location and how it started. You then go into a feature interview uh, with Billy Price, who's a member at Waterlooville, been coming for about a year, and has a really cool story to tell about how he changed his life with running. We then go into a bit of a rundown from Pete, who will sum up Billy and close off the pod. Um, hope you really enjoy what you hear, and as ever, please like and subscribe and let us know what you think. We're at Waterlooville. They meet on a Monday evening, Wednesday evening, and Saturday morning. I think I'm in the middle of the track where they're being squirted by children. <laughs> nice to see you, mate. <laughs> yeah, these guys train really hard in electric blue. Um, and it is baking up today. And saw the water pistols. Real military vibes to the way they're shouting at the moment. Head, shoulders, knees, shoulders. So if you're listening to this, you're listening in to the Waterlooville location highlight pod uh, with the Thunder Buddies, Pete Lyons and DJ Bobby B. Uh, Pete, run down some of the core facts about Waterlooville that people need to know. How did they get started and who do they need to know about? Cool. So uh, Bootcamp UK Waterlooville was my first location is when I I dipped my toe in... in, um, the Bootcamp UK world and um, and and start the location. Didn't know what I, what I was getting myself into. I was still in the army at the time. You know, I used to travel back from Bobbington, which is about an hour and a half drive, to run the sessions, then to go oh, back. Wow. Yeah, which is um. Uh, so the guys there from the early days, they used to see me turn up in in my my army rig because I literally just finished work and I had to yeah. drive back to then go and set the lesson up. Um, yeah. So we started in May two thousand eighteen. Uh, we had about 50 people on the first session which I thought was amazing um, and we just progressed from there really what kind uh, of kit were you using back then? Uh, so we yeah so the, the kit was fairly limited but I think I had um, I think I had, a, uh, had about five kettlebells I yeah. had um, some some body bars you remember the, the weighted bars that we got used yeah. for the, the rifles for the Battle yeah, of BCK yeah. I had a few of them we had some. The, have you seen the brown slam balls? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The um, yeah leather ones. Yes. Uh, well, leatherish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we had them. Um, uh, yeah. So we 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 just we just did buy with what we got, you know, and we tried change something. But yeah, very limited. And as the years gone on, we've just added more and more. Like, and now we see, you know, the big the big tires out. We see the the A frames and the chin up bars. Mm. You know, battle ropes and stuff. You know, so. But yeah, at the start it was quite limited, you know. But uh, yeah, we went from there. Um, yeah, big shout out for the the guys that were there on on day one. We have we have Mark Vincent, massive part of Waterlooville community, and he was there on day one, still with us, still going strong now. Uh, and we had Jenny Stewart as well, quite quite quiet member, but she um, she's been there from 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 day one, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, there's there's no no sight of her going anywhere now. She still pops out onto the old session. Yeah, so that they they were there from from day one. We've got some people that have been there a long time as well. You know, look at Lou Saunders. I think Lou came in the June, so we started okay. in the May, and then Lou's 
uh, been in June, so what's that, four years now? Yeah, it must be. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if it was 2018, yeah, four years. Yeah, uh, so so obviously Lou keeps bugging me, she's due, she's due an award. She's due a better award, <laughs> please. She's due the award. Um, yeah, so yeah, we, we went on from there, and just and then it just grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew into the, to the, to the monster that it is today. One of the things that I find interesting about Waterlooville is uh, perhaps connected to that. It's been through a number of transitions. Yeah. I think when anything's been around for a number of years, yeah. you do see seasons, phases. Yeah, definitely. You get like it's like with anything, you know. Like, um, and we, we, as much as I try and change things up and um, and add different events and stuff like that, you know, like people will go off and there, they will go and you know do do something else, and, and that that's that's um, you know, that's just the nature of the beast, you know. Um, but we. You know, we, we, we set up and we raise the bar each year, you know, so the doors always open for people to come back and and a lot of people have gone off done other stuff and come back, you know. But what the one thing we have seen with the with Waterloo was a massive uh transition. We had a lot of strong members that were the, the go to members as such, you know. Um, you know, as the as the wheels turned they sort of left but then we, other people have that now stepped up and now are uh, backbone of, of that location now. You, you talk of people like Dave Gorshin, like yeah. every, everyone knows who he is. He gets involved in um, helping run a lot of the events. You know, he does a lot of the mountain biking. He took the guys out uh, and done the South Downs Way. And we're doing the Jurassic Coast mountain bike. So Dave takes yeah. the lead on that. Um, helps me with lo- load of other different stuff. You know, he's a strong guy. We've got help with his sidekick, Paul Herbert. Yes. So, like, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, well, he's got, Dave's got two awards and Paul slipped under the radar. <laughs> yeah, slipped under the radar. Um, but, yeah, so we've got the, those two. Then we've got the Jenkins that are, are looking like they're... they're really know, cool members now. Yeah, really good. And I remember when they first joined as well. You know, they, they, they were going through a big transition period in their life where they sort of changed everything come to boot camp um but once again like you know it feels like they've been there f- forever you know yeah. uh, and they they're a massive help to me as well um and they're just really nice people as well and um, so we have we are in that that trans uh transition period now and like uh, me personally you know waterlooville um is is a much better environment now i think it's the best it's ever been now and 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 long make continue like that you know everyone yeah everyone gets involved in each other and they get out and they support and they, they start supporting other locations as well you know that's what i was going to say let's define what you mean by best and i think you know a big part of that is the inclusivity yeah. it's the um uh, you know it's the contributing to the wider whole um yeah. and and getting involved encouraging others to, yeah. to be involved not not just small groups of people being involved yeah that, that that's amazing and, and being part of like um a whole team is such yeah. a, and rather than just five of your mates that come to it like yeah. now we're now you know we have all all different ages all different genders and that but everyone's part of that team um, and they're part of the, the the juggernaut that just keeps on going and keeps on churning out titles. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. yes, it's like um, early noise, Manchester United. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. But um, we, we've got um, Fairham, which we're, we're putting the role of Blackburn. That, like, <laughs> coming up. Um, we're talking about something serious. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So that, that's... they've got loads of titles, and they've achieved a lot. They they consistently win, and that's and they couldn't do that if they didn't have um, 
a team ethos, but also lots of big players who yeah. turn up and get the results. That's the main thing. Is like you've got to have to 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 win as as many championships and titles that they they've won. You've got to have a number of different things. One, you've got to have the 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 big uh, the big time players that are going to go out and score lot score lots of points for you and prop up the team. But you also need. Um, you need strength and depth as well. You need yeah. to you need to get everyone in involved in that, and they 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 found a really good balance of that. You know, they have got some really strong, fit people that go and score a lot of points. But then they looking down, you know, the the people that just get out there and do it, and they they probably each event they probably enter the most people into it, which yeah. is which is why they they've they've gone and done so well. Just looking back at some of the 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 titles, like even in the early days. Um, we went to the the bootcamp UK wide tug of war. Waterlooville were the only location that took two teams down, and um, both teams qualified out of the group. Um, and uh, one team won in the semi final, got to the final, uh, and one, one team uh, got absolutely. Um, uh, well, there was a, a ringers team, so they beat Andover in the first pool, and Andover then backfilled their location with the strong members of Southampton. But is that because Waterlooville yeah. A took the best ones from Waterlooville B? Uh, yeah, so basically we can we can you can move move the guys move the, move the guys across and because of the same location, but that's what they did. So we did that backfield one of the one of the teams, made it strong, um, and won it quite quite convincingly. But then what they because the other teams didn't have the strength and the depth. But it adds to the drama. But it adds to the drama, you know, like um so yeah, they went they went uh, done that then in the the sandbag challenge the first year, which was Bootcamp UK wide. Um, so we had races in Andover, Bracknell, Winchester. Um, uh, well, uh, yeah, I think we had two races in Winchester, Basingstoke, um, so all over against all the locations. And, and Waterlooville went and won it the first year. So the first year that they were open, they went and beat established bootcamps that had been around for three, four, five years, you know. Um, so they went and done that. Second year, they were winning after two or three races. Yeah, two or three races, and then obviously COVID hit on, yeah. on the second year. But they were they were winning. They would have done back to back titles, um, which is a massive achievement. You know, yeah, like yeah. to go up, you know, against thirty locations. We start doing um, events down here, whereas where more locations opened up, ports of Chichester. You know, so we start to run our stuff around here. We uh, we had the Run to Freedom, which was uh, a running series that we've done over lockdown. Waterlooville went and, went and won that. Then they won the sequel, which is Run Past Freedom. Um, so on that one there, we had we had runs that went up to the half marathon distance that started down, I think the 3K, 3K was the first okay. one. I don't know if you got, do you remember that was, um So I think the Run Past Freedom was happening uh, after I just joined, but I wasn't on Facebook, so oh, I, well, yeah, I, cool. I didn't really follow it. Yeah, um, yeah. And it kind of passed me by. So we had, um, yeah, I think there was about ninety people that that attended it wow. through um, individual runs that then go to points towards um, your location, mm. and um, it's just something to keep people engaged over lockdown. Now yeah, there's medals being active. There was medals at the end of it, and people start taking it a bit seriously, which was which is good. Then then we got to the sandbag challenge, which was the our locations, uh, just five our locations, five different races, one in one in each location. Um, Waterlooville were, were winning it all the way through to the last race when they got picked at the post by Fairham by a very strong 
Fareham, led by General Highland. Yeah. Um, she rallied the troops and and um, and picked Wally but then I think I think make sure that was appropriate investment in the squad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and looking back at it, I think that's the um, that's the last time Waterlooville lost anything. Yeah, I think it must be because they've um, they've done both boxing trophies. They did the last Blanchard Trophy. Yeah, see the Blanchard Trophy. They 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 won the, the overall overall winner as well, and we had the uh, the overall female runner up. Uh, the boxing trophy. The first one was very highly competitive. Yeah. Um, and they they nicked it by one point yeah. over Fairham. This year was a bit of a bit of a, bit of a although it wasn't it wasn't a foregone cl- conclusion. Um, no, but it, it was nearly as good as yeah. We won, Fairham won all their fights though. Yeah, yeah. Um, we just didn't have many fighters. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so the, but once again, like the, that's the, the the main thing is is people getting out there and supporting, being part of that team. You know, wearing their wearing their colours and and being part of something, um, which is really nice to see. And we'll see that. Uh, so the next Blanchard Trophy event is being held at Waterlooville. So it's come full circle and back at Waterlooville. Um, so yeah, that'll be, be, be a good one to see. Yeah, and and uh, th- that will be a B Company, Boot Camp Company, yeah. on the 17th of September. That's correct, yeah. That's correct, yeah. Um, yeah, so just talk, talk about some of the event winners and that, uh, or some of the award winners mm. that have, have done well since since being here you know um, we've got so looking back at the award wins I think the only person to get two awards is Dave Goulson I believe that he won Instructor's Boot Camper and then he won uh, Boot Camper's Boot Camper this year so he was uh, voted by his peers to get that then we we had Jim Jenkins who won Instructor's Boot Camper this year yeah, yeah he won it this year he'll be high up high up again to maybe get another award yeah we had let's look at we had Brian Marsh who won um, most improved the first year, not last year the year before twenty 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 yeah so Brian Marsh most improved but he also had a lot of votes uh, in boot campers boot camp as well. We had like thinking back at it now when she was quite a new member but she's now moved on and she's like a really big part of our community. Katie Hawkins won yeah. she won best newcomer uh, in twenty twenty um, she could possibly be up for another award again. Because I think she's, you know, her fitness has really improved over yeah. the last year, where she's, you know, dug in at the Thunder Zone and the boxing, as well as turning up to sessions, yeah. when she's not hungover. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> or off doing nursing, I suppose that's the official excuse. <laughs> um, yeah, we had Dan Leonard as well, he won most improved as well, and he's, he's gone from strength to strength again. You know, Dan really placed well in the strongman, or, or my, strong my, person. My, my, my apologies, yeah, strong yeah. person, and um, placed well in the strong person event. We have Billy Price, best newcomer, once again going from strength to strength. Um, and you'll hear about him in full detail later on in this pod. Yeah. Uh, and then also the forgotten man of Waterlooville. Uh, oh, the forgotten man of Waterlooville, Ian McKenzie. Um, been with Bootcamp UK since June 2018, so he's been with us for, for, for a long time. Many people from, from Bootcamp UK, Waterlooville, probably won't even know him now. Because he's moved over to the dark side, and he's at Bootcamp UK <laughs> at Portsmouth. He's over at Portsmouth, and he's a big part of their community as well. And he's yeah. he's um he's obviously took that winner's mentality now, and he's driving them forward. Um, but he won he won um Bootcamp UK veteran bootcamp uh, in twenty twenty. Okay. Yeah. So so they're award winners, and then you know there's some some 
really strong people and parts of the community that are looking to get awards at boot camp. It's going to be so hard picking picking those as well. Only yeah. only given five out. Yeah, there's there's so many um, stories. One had mentioned when we were talking earlier that came to uh, my mind. I don't know how long they've been, but but even in the short amount of time that. Jess Smith has been on my radar. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, her fitness has improved massively. Um, yeah, so yeah. Has changed. Yeah, massive. Like I, I, I don't know what I don't. Like she's very quiet at first. Yeah. Um, I think she's been with us longer than what we think. Yeah, because and but now she will turn up on her own, and, yeah. and and she didn't initially, and that says a lot for you know how confident and comfortable she feels in the environment. And yeah. That's a testament to yeah. Waterlooville as a location. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. As I said, there's um, there's, there's there's been loads of stories like that. yeah I, I think back to Deanie you know Deanie Deanie would be up there as well like um, but then also people that have been around for a while that have now kicked up a level you know you talk about Mel Jenkins you know, yeah. like she's she's done a lot this year and like she's once again she's a massive part of that, that community and that. so so it's gonna it's gonna be tough it's gonna yeah. be tough yeah it should be in, it should be interesting it's gonna so be hotly contested hotly sure. contested um uh, and then um, boot camp UK Waterlooville, it is the beast that it is, you know, like you know, it's uh, it's the benchmarks for other people, and it should inspire the other locations to think, right, we want to get our people involved like that, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take the title off Waterlooville, and it's gonna happen one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I love the fact that they're trying to find a way to to beat them, and I think Portsmouth will um, start heading that way. They've certainly got the energy about them yeah. to to try and do it. Um, they just need you know, um, to get a few more you know, super fit members and they'll, yeah, they'll yeah. be not but, but, but yeah, it's not, obviously it's, it's about getting everyone out there. Oh yeah. You obviously need a few people in there to score high, but you need a community to, to get out there and get get numbers in strength and depth, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but on the women's side, you've got two in, in the top ten in the Blanchard. Yeah, um, yeah. In, in Rana Craig and Marcy Mayhead has snuck in there somehow. Yeah, so obviously when we're doing the, the profile on Waterlooville, I'm just going to have a look at um, the the Blanchard trophy this year. So um, Waterlooville, obviously strong, uh, yeah, strong, strong location. They've got, uh, they've got Daniel Parkas. Yeah, how have we not mentioned her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she was strong in the in the last Blantyre Trophy. I think she finished overall runner up. Okay. Uh, to Lisa Coughlin of Gosport, um, but yeah, she's she's been strong this year, very strong. She's um, she's she's won all events apart from one. In the top ten, whatever I think, Jim Jenkins is definitely up there. Yeah. Uh, Alan Brown's up there. Billy Price. Yeah. Um. Who else got in Tim? Did Dan Lennon Dan Len snuck into the top Dan ten? Dan Lennon has managed to snuck, sneak into the top ten because he's he's done a few and there's double points kind yeah, of yeah, carried yeah. in there. Is there anybody, uh, Paul Herbert, is he? Or I think he's just outside the top ten, I think, Paul Herbert. Yeah, he's, he's there or thereabouts. Isn't oh, he, he might have done because of the strong person yeah. and he done well on that. So he's probably... Yeah, if he's in there, he's like ninth or something. Yeah, um, yeah. Um... And then we also, you know, you've got Dave Galton who consistently scores a strong cost. He's when been he's a bit not on holiday. Yeah, when he's not on holiday, when he's not injured. He's been a bit injured this year, but he scores scores quite high. But they've, you know, strength and depth. On the female side, um, obviously got Danielle Parkhurst, who, yeah. who's leading. You know, she, it's going to be very tough to beat her in the overall event, even though 
She didn't really score that high in the strong person event, no. and she's away for the next event. So there's a there's a bit of a bit of a chance to catch her. But then also, I just want to have a big shout out to some of the other ladies that are doing well. Amy Pearson's a, as another one who's really got involved in the in the community, and she's so much fitter and stronger than than when she started. Um, I think she snuck into the top ten. I think she's in the top ten, or she might have just fallen I, out. I feel like she's just outside it. She was, and I think because she didn't have a good event, the last event. No, yeah, I think she's just outside it because I think, I think it, literally on the female side, there's there's two from Portsmouth, one from Waterlooville, seven from Fairham. Yeah, all right. Uh, yeah, so she, she, I, I think she'll be in the top ten at the end at the end of it. I think she will too. I think, um, yeah, it, it's almost a little bit of a false table at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Because um, some will be inflated from. The and then we've got events. Catherine Metcalf as well, who, who's done pretty well as well. Um, I think she'll probably be in the top ten at the end of it as well. Yeah, and um, and, and she's somebody who's uh, who when I first um, started coming to Waterlooville as well as Fair, you know, I, I saw someone she kept herself to herself, but but now she seems to have grown in confidence. Her partner's there too. Yeah, yeah. Now and Dean and. Um, they're a really friendly couple and they've, yeah. they've got stuck in and it's become something they do together which is really nice yeah, to see yeah really nice to see yeah. she, I think she'll be in the, in the top 10 at the end of it and that yeah so they've got uh, so big uh, so the female the, there are a lot more females from Waterloo that are getting, getting involved and getting stuck in now big shout out to Jess Smith we've always spoke to about she scored up well in the um the strong person, and I think that she'll do well moving forward as well. Um, yeah. We've got um, Claire Lewis and Faye Butler there. They're yeah, doing very well as well. well, even though they probably didn't do too well in the strong person. I think they're better than they expected to. Yeah. I think um, uh, Faye Butler in particular um, was, yeah, her, her tire flip will go down <laughs> in, in legend <laughs> thanks to Alan Brown's camera work and she uh, tumbled over the line. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was chatting to her before the time flip, but she was considering doing the the, the lighter one. Yeah. She had no idea she'd be able to do the ten flips that she then went and smashed. Yeah, so. yeah, she did smash it, did smash it. But yeah, so um, and it, and it's nice to see, and that's what we're all about. Like you know, doing different stuff, being part of a community, being part of a team, um, and and what a team for them to come into. You know, it's an yeah. already established team, and they're just going to make it stronger. Yeah, uh, really um, good. And it and it's, it's good to see. The next thing you're going to hear is the feature interview with Billy Price. Uh, this was a really interesting conversation uh, conducted by myself. Yeah, I think it's a really endearing conversation and hopefully one that will inspire people uh, about how you can go from zero to hero with exercise. You can go from doing absolutely nothing to um, achieving great things if you get your mindset right. Okay, hope you enjoy. Can you tell me about some of the tattoos? Where uh, Do you have any of them that are particularly meaningful or, partic- or related to... Uh, music so, or anything? Uh, maybe not, not music. I mean, they're all sort of traditional tattoos, yeah, which yeah. comes from like the rock and roll, rockabilly, yeah. hot rod sort of stuff. But I mean, meaningful wise, I just like pictures, you know. Yeah. Um, but I do have on the tops of my thighs, I have like cartoon pictures of my kids. Okay. Um, with like personal touches, like that's the teddy bear, Freddy held when he was a baby, things amazingly on the other side. But your dog is covering it. Yeah, that's right. But um, yeah, so they're, they're like meaningful to family, but I've, I've never been one for every tattoo has a meaning. I just like the art tattoo. Yeah, I, I think that's the way I would go if I ever got it. Um, Laura Grimwood is very similar um, from from Fairham. Um, we had her on the podcast uh, earlier this week, and 
the episode has not come out yet, but um, you know, she was showing off her new tattoo at boot camp last night, where it, which was just a slice of pizza, like a cartoon slice oh of pizza God. with her eyes and stuff. And just, you know, just has fun ideas. And, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got a running related tattoo now, quite in my most recent. Yeah, uh, it's just like a deformed uh, mountain goat <laughs> chewing up a pair of trainers. He's got his race number on. Um, he's got sweatbands on and stuff. I did notice that was the newest looking of your yeah. tattoos. I think one book. Yeah, yeah. So that was done um, done by someone down in Portsmouth. She's into like new school tattoo art. Yeah, and I had this idea of like having like a mountain goat tattoo because like, ultra runners are referred to as mountain goats because okay. they run up lots of hills. Yeah, um, and strong old legs I guess but um, yeah so I had this idea of getting something like that to sort of replicate sort of running and yeah. stuff it's been a big part of my life now and uh, yeah that was she came up with the design added a few bits made it look a bit sort of strange and yeah she loved it so yeah no, it's really yeah, fun it's cool and it's not you know it's not in your face look at me I'm a, I've run a marathon you know nothing yeah. against people that do but I'm not having 26 miles written on my leg you know <laughs> it's not that's not for me no, it's uh, like the only one of those I can kind of empathise with is is the guys and girls who have like the Olympic rings. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, yeah. if you if you've gone and competed in the Olympics, and of course, then like you can't begrudge anybody. But you know, someone at the Olympics has yeah, that's been a lifetime of work to get there. Yeah. So absolutely, you know, that deserves. You know, if you like tattoos, that's definitely going to be something that's getting done in it. But <laughs> but yeah, like I said, I didn't want to, you know pick up a trainer or. Something that's in your face, look at me, come talk to me about running. I didn't want that, but it you know, it means thing to me. I know what it's about. So, are you training for anything in particular at the moment? Uh, not not at the moment, no. So, I've had a busy, busy start to the year. Um, you know, 200 mile races, a couple of, couple of months apart. Um, I ran, I've you know, loads of training miles. I ran a 50k recently, and yeah, there's nothing planned for the rest of the year, but I've already got you know plans for next year, so I'm quite happy having a bit of time running for the sake of running, running for the love of it, rather than, you know, having to go out because I'm training for something, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed you've been out a few times this week. Yeah. Um, what have you got planned for next year in terms of runs? Um, so, there's it's a, quite a long drawn out plan. Okay. Um, I'm planning on going and running the 100 mile I'll run in January, uh, the Arc of Attrition. Plan on running that again in 2024. Okay, um, that is a long plan. <laughs> yeah, so next year is running races that suit training for that race. Um, so there's a race in Cornwall in March called the Cousin Jack Ultra, which runs along 50k of the route of the 100 miler. So uh. it's like you know, running on the train, getting used to the navigation and stuff. Um, so that's in March, hoping to go do that. There's another one, very similar setup called the Southwest Traverse. Again, runs on the coastline where the 100 miler takes place. Uh, that's in June or July. And, um, you know, again, go and run that, just get used to the train and navigation. And then there is a race um, called the Lakeland 100, which is a 100 miler up in the Lake District, which I'm hoping to do next year, but it's a busy one, so you have to you get put in a ballot. You sign up, okay. get put in a ballot, and then you get the yes or no. Um, it's just 50-50 if you get in, but yeah. I'd like to do that one next year. I think that's in July. Yeah, late July, or early September, uh, early August. 
So yeah, so hoping to do that, and then that would you know be like basically training for them throughout the year would be like in long term training a whole year for the race for the following January. Mm. So at the arc of attrition, if you run the race in under thirty hours, you get a gold buckle, which probably means nothing to anyone except for people that have done the race. Yeah, you yeah, know, it's sort of a a coveted sort of thing. I've heard of like a silver buckle before. Uh, it, it, yes. I read it in some post somewhere. So, so um, they relate it. Yeah, so a hundred mile races quite often give out buckles as a medal. Mm. Um, and it's just because the, the story is hundred mile races started as horse races. Okay. And then someone turned up to a horse race. This was back, I don't know, like 1800s maybe, God knows. Um, and the horse was lame when they got to the race. And he said to his main rival, doesn't matter, I could beat you without a horse. <laughs> and so he ends up, he runs the 100 miles yeah. without a horse, finishes it, and then next year, about 10 people turn up without horses. And it slowly becomes a running race rather than a horse race. Okay. Um, so they used to, you know, basically cowboys, so they would get belt buckles mm. because, you know, they wore big belt buckles. Yeah, they? yeah. Um, so, yeah, so you get, so I got a silver buckle in January for the arbitration, which is anyone that finishes it before the cutoff, which was 36 hours. Yeah. I finished in 31.47. Um, if you finish in under 30, you get a gold buckle. If you finish under 24, you get a black buckle. And, um, you know, just like perspective is, I think five people got a black buckle this year out of 250 people starting. Wow. Um, and then, I don't know how many people got gold, but it's probably maybe half half the field well half the people that finished so half over half the people didn't finish yeah so you just left with about 120 people that finished and out of them maybe 50 got a gold buckle so uh, yeah you're, you're above average basically if you're getting a gold buckle yeah that race. so that's the aim so that's the aim yeah. I think you're more than above average just for <laughs> finishing the damn thing in terms of the human populace <laughs> yeah yeah it's, uh, it's mad you're in you're in your own little world within ultra running so you know on Strava and things I'm friends with other ultra runners um, people that do these races you know until all of us like in this little community getting up on a Saturday morning running 25 miles before most people got out of bed is a very normal thing to do yeah so when you talk to people that maybe aren't in the ultra running community you think you know they think oh you are absolutely nuts no what do you do with your Saturday morning you know it's sort of Without being blasé about it, it's just the way it is. You get into that sort of, yeah, you know, community. So, you know, same boot camp. If you you go to boot camp three times a week, some people would find that absolutely ridiculous, the idea of it. But you know, to you, it's perfectly normal, and you know, there's another hundred, you know, you know, over the country, you know, thousands of people doing that. Yeah, not quite the same. But we found it with boxing when we, as we were coming into the last few weeks. Um, of the training for the inter bootcamp boxing, um, a lot of our training uh, increased. Uh, um, I think Laura and I were doing sometimes, you know, ten or eleven sessions a week, morning and evening, different things, but to try and raise our fitness up. Um, your body just becomes used to it. Yeah. Um, but people fail to understand it or think you're overtraining. You're not. You're you're carefully picking what you're doing. You know, for boxing, sometimes it's you know you go technique sessions you'll be practicing technique on your own you might be doing pure fitness you might be doing some conditioning to improve punch power but it feels like a lot of training but it just becomes normal yeah 
you know, overtraining is something. It's individual for one thing. But it gets front, yeah. It's uh, gets thrown around a lot. Yeah, and without being too harsh, it's it's an easy excuse for a lot of people. I think if you you know if you're conditioned to it, like you say, you build up your training. You you never you're not going into eight sessions, nine sessions a week from nothing. No, you know you're starting with three sessions a week. You're building up. So overtraining is something that is very, I don't know, it's very, not, I don't want to say rare, because people do overtrain, but I think it's something that is not as common as people like to think it is. Yeah. I think, like I say, I was funny enough talking to Jack Sykes at boot camp the other day about it, and he sort of said, what's my average weekly mileage? And sort of around 50 miles a week, I wow. guess. Um and he's like, you know, he's like, that's insane. You're running two marathons a week plus boot camp. And, you know, when you say it like that, it sounds a lot. But to me, I started, you know, way back, like I'm talking seven, eight years ago. Yeah. I started running 10 miles a week thinking I was an absolute machine. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, over the years, I want to do longer races. I've got to train more, you know, find ways to fit it in. Now, 50 mile a week is that's when I feel normal, you know. Um, so plus boot camp which when I started just took it out of me way more than I thought it was going to so obviously you're a big runner um, that would have come out in some of the chats so far um, and a lot of people from boot camp will know you as a runner but tell me about the relationship between boot camp and running um, when we had a bit of a pre-chat before uh, recording uh, over email um, you mentioned you described it as boot camp had improved your running tenfold can you explain to me a little bit more about that? Yeah, uh, oh, I, you know, it's, it's I've always read that strength training will improve running. Yeah, and you know, there's sort of old sayings: a strong upper body will carry a tired lower body, hmm. and you know, our body is all connected by fascia and you know, muscle stuff that I don't understand. <laughs> but you, you know, swinging your arms when you run will give you better momentum to keep moving hmm. forward and. So that's one side of it. So having a stronger upper body through the training we do at boot camp has yeah. just made me a better runner, as in I can carry on for longer. Um, but also, I think it's just the varied training, you know, working different muscle groups that you do use when you run, but maybe now they're stronger, they're not tiring as much. And things like, you know, we do some leg-heavy stuff in boot camp, you know, stuff like weighted lunges, squats, something I would never do before because I think, well, my legs get enough work. Yeah, but it's working it's muscles man. differently, so they're stronger. So like, I can run up a hill faster because my quads are stronger from doing squats and lunges. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think it's just adding all of that up plus the ex, you know, the extra cardio I'm doing at boot camp that I'd never have done before. It just all adds up, and yeah, over the court, over time because that's you know exercise everything is time. It's a patient sort of game. Um, you you become stronger uh, so everything's less hard work so mm. the stronger you are the less your heart works to keep you going the easier you find it the more you can do it you know? yeah but yeah my, my like from a to look at the stats my pace is faster now than it was a year ago before I started boot camp or just over a year ago okay so um, it's definitely working whatever that means and you mentioned in, in the context of the gold buckle you know, you're clearly trying to increase your pace for your for your ultras um, do you find that when you're increasing your pace that that translates to run, running of all distances or absolutely yeah, yeah. Um, so 
Oh, recently you got, you know, ran a 5k and 10k PB in one race, which is the times I never thought I'd get. <laughs> because I'm not really, it's going to sound bizarre to a lot of people, but I'm not really a fast runner. Um, as in, I'm not, you know, if I compare myself to road runners, road marathoners, um, if I turn up to a road 10k, I'm probably not going to be in the top 25%. Because no, you're a distance runner, that's yeah. what you've trained for. Uh, really. Yeah, uh, and again, that's like a physiological thing. You know, people have fast twitch and slow twitch muscles, yeah. and um, I'm born with slow twitch muscles. <laughs> you know, you can train them, but it's hard work. And uh, I'm getting faster, but again, like I say, road, like a road 10k, road half marathon, I'm not going to be on the podium. I'm not going to be anywhere near the podium. But, you know, a trail 50k, I'm getting closer to sort of the the competitive end of the race and again it's what i'm used to i run you know i prefer trail running um so i'm gonna be better at that plus it's endurance yeah more endurance more long distance than sprinting so how did you discover that you were more long distance than sprinting so when i started running i just you know i was running a bit not really knowing what i'm doing and just sort of you know just signed up to a marathon and done it for charity to give myself some accountability some of the people give me money so I better do this you know yeah. I don't want to be giving people's money back so um, I was training for a marathon never thought about pace or anything like that and at the time my or over time so I finished that first marathon sorry and um, my time for the first marathon was 4 hours 43 seconds which was you know it's sort of on the higher side of average it's yeah, pretty yeah. you know it's a good time for a first marathon yeah but my like 10k, 5k times didn't match up. My 10k, 5k was a lot slower than other people running a four-hour marathon. So it's, I could sustain a pace for a long period of time, but I couldn't run faster than that pace. Mm. So that's when you thought, well, distance seems to be my thing. Yeah. Um, I say you can. I can train. I've done training to be faster. You know, I've tried running faster marathons, and I, I'm there now. I'm running faster marathons than that, but it's it's a hard effort for me to do like a speed session so for me to go run out a fast 5k i um, i hate it it feels <laughs> horrible it's disgusting i want to throw up yeah go run a marathon at a comfortable pace yeah i'm up for that it sounds, sounds like fun i'll get up three o'clock in the morning to do that <laughs> with a smile on my face you know so it's definitely i think mentally it's more what i want to do yeah. Uh, so naturally, you're gonna lean towards what you want to do rather than. Yeah, you kind of learn what you enjoy, and um, I heard on a podcast recently, and, and I think it came, probably came from a book, but I think it's true. Really, your sport. Sometimes you might try to pick your sport, but really, your sport kind of picks you yeah. in terms of what your body's geared for. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned you were born with lock, uh, slow twitch muscles, right? Uh, you've just discovered the sport that fits your body. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, there's something called the swimmer's body fallacy where people just to say, yeah, yeah, try yeah. to look, you know, take up swimming to try and look like a swimmer. Yeah. But actually, swimmers look like swimmers because their body is geared towards swimming yeah, and so they do right. swimming and that accentuates what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you're not going to become one. Uh, you're not going to end up looking like that by doing lots of swimming. Yeah, you might get better at swimming. Yeah. But you're not going to end up with you know broad shoulders and a narrow waist. But if you are born with broad shoulders and narrow waist, you'd probably be good at swimming. Yes. So maybe you should do that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think I think you naturally will because you know we we all 
shy away from stuff that's hard. And if you're finding it physically hard to do something you want to do, you're probably going to find something that isn't as physically hard for you. Yeah. I'm not, not saying that people don't try. No. But it's just natural. If I can find a way of running that just feels a bit better, I'm going to do that. Yeah. I feel like I'm still looking for my sports sometimes. I'm kind of envious of people like you and Peter who've um, stumbled across something that works really well for you. For Pete, it's obviously boxing. For you, it's ultra running. Um, I was never a natural sports person at school. I've always enjoyed exercise and I've always kind of leaned towards you know the strength side of things and and I've always had broad shoulders. But um, sometimes you can, I guess, go through life and, and not encounter... Uh, what fits you so naturally so I think you've um, you've done well to stumble across yeah. it I think yeah it's uh, strength you know I think everyone's got talent like you say not everyone's lucky enough to find it and I thought you know I always thought I didn't know I thought oh, I haven't really got talent you know I don't pick up music instruments well I don't you know it's lots of things I've tried I don't do well and I've always sort of said I haven't got a talent but I've always had a good work ethic okay. and then again that lends itself to any sort of endurance sport yeah if you've got a good work ethic and a good mindset towards it you're going to do well yeah you don't have to be naturally gifted like you don't have to be a natural runner if you've got the mindset and the work ethic you're going to be able to run an ultra marathon and i think mental strength uh, comes from that yeah um yeah when we were doing the strong person event on um the other sunday um i i could definitely see yeah, some of the guys who I even know have good mental strength from from speaking to them or or from the kind of training events that they do did well on the jerry can carry Absolutely. because that there was a point where that became yeah. all mental uh, I less say, grip more that mental. was one hundred percent I would say one hundred percent mental exercise that yeah point. you know obviously you got to have the strength to pick them up yeah and walk or you know move with them but. 100% it's a case of if you're going to be bloody minded enough to not put them down or only put them down at the ends so that, and then you reset and go again yeah. or anything like that that's where that was won or lost definitely it's the people that were willing to go through what you got to go through to get to the end 100% I should have perhaps put it down at the ends reset and then you know try to move with purpose on each length instead I, I tried to do three or four or at pace without putting it down at all and and then I started to uh, to struggle on I think length four yeah I think yeah I think if I was to uh, give advice on that event someone who's not confident about it that's what I'd say get to the end put them down reset and go again yeah and just just so you're only concentrate and get to the other end never think of the whole distance don't necessarily copy what I did either because uh, I've always everything I've done you know mm. Of just like go off the line thinking right run two legs fall off and that's that <laughs> it's uh, yeah it's obviously it's not always the best thing and it has gone wrong but adrenaline and everything that's the way I go and sometimes it works sometimes it don't and when it works it's it's obviously good when it when it don't work it really don't no so, so you did a fifty was it fifty k recently where yes. it perhaps didn't go so well yeah it didn't go to plan so to say but um again I've had a busy start to the year I haven't maybe I haven't recovered as much as I thought I had or I should have but I started the 50k uh, 2nd of July I believe it was I started and I just knew it weren't going to go well yeah. I was I was run off the start line you know feeling 
not feeling great straight away, just and I looked at my pace, my pace was off. I felt like I was running sort of six and a half minute miles, it was more seven and a half, eight minute miles, which weren't where I wanted to be at the beginning of the no. race. And then it just got worse, so I had pains in my hip flexors, which is something I've never really experienced. Okay. A bizarre sort of pain as well, and hard to stretch out, hard to recover from, and it just didn't get any better. So no. I managed to slog it out and get it done, but it weren't how, you know, I had better intentions for that race, definitely. I've run 50k a lot faster than that, and I felt like I was fit enough and I should have been able to run faster than I did, but, you know, getting it, finishing is always goal A. Yeah. Yeah, and then Stop, you've got time, you know, however you feel, you've got time sort of goals, but finishing is always the one. And that was Charlie's first 50k. Charlie's Charlie first ultramarathon, yeah. yeah. yeah she, and she had such a good day, and I'm so glad it went that way around. Yes. I mean, I've had good races, and I've had bad races, and I know it's not going to stop me, I'm, I'm not. But someone's first ultramarathon, if it goes bad, that could be the end of yeah, you know, ultramarathon career. Yeah, so I'm glad you know she had a really good day, she had a really good time, you know, possibly better than better than I expected. Not in a bad way. It's just the day went well for her, mm. and um, you know she had she had her problems along the way. I don't think anyone runs an ultramarathon and it's easy, <laughs> but you know she had sort of stomach issues early on, but she managed to get over it pretty quick, and it just went as well as you would expect, you know, you could expect the first ultramarathon to go. So, uh, yeah, really proud of her for that one. And she's already, like, to finish an ultramarathon and she was already talking about going further is huge because even me, every race I finish, right, I'm not running ever again. <laughs> and, then it's, and then it's a week before I think, oh, I could do it again. Yeah. So, you know, she can't, you know, literally cross the finish line and the event was at uh, different distances. They run 100k there. Yeah, she was, you know, by the end of the evening, she's talking about signing up for the 100k for next year, which is, you know, is immense. So she gets herself a bit stressed out about training and stuff, um, fitting it all in, you know, busy lives. And we both train a lot. We've got kids, both work full time. So she does get herself a bit worked up about time with training, but to sort of commit to it and just be like, yeah, I'm going to go do that next year. It was huge, and I think that's she knows what it takes to do it. So to be willing to commit is huge, and I think that's amazing. Um, you know, same with everyone that takes on a challenge; they don't know if they're able to do. You know, superstars. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose um, that's where you know being a team and a family and a marriage uh, really comes into it. You know, if you're both training that hard, both working full time, you've got two kids. I guess it takes a lot of planning and a lot of uh, looking out for each other. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it does. Um, I think we fall into a routine quite well. Okay. So it doesn't feel as hard as it possibly sounds. Hmm. But, um, yeah, we, it's, it's busy, busy times. So both our kids also do after-school clubs. Okay. Um, because not, we're not pushy parents, but... We like them to be active and involved in something. Yes. Don't don't really care what it is, as long as it is something productive, something that's gonna, you know, expand their knowledge and stuff. So. So what they into at the moment? So our little boy Freddie, he's in Beavers, which is the younger version of Scouts. Yeah. Um, I remember it well. From which my is oh, you, you was the Beaver, was you? I was a Beaver. I was a Cub, and then I sacked it off at Scouts. Oh, fair enough. 
Well, you got the 10 to be a scout, I think. I think so. Yeah, as yeah, long time ago. It was fair enough. Um, but no, he, he loves it. He, I mean, he loves the outdoors. We're very lucky. Touchwood, he is not a gamer or he's not really interested. He's got, you know, he's got a Nintendo Switch that he'd play on, but he'd play on it if we're in the car for a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sank to pass the time, but as soon as he can, he puts it down without us telling him, which is awesome. But also beavers. I've been there. I've volunteered to help out, and it is the maddest like hour <laughs> of your life. It's just carnage. Just proper lads, lads, lads. A bunch of six to eight year olds. Yeah, just doing what they want. And in fairness to the people to run it, you know, hats off to them. They run it well. But, um, yeah, they let they let the kids. You know, they're quite relaxed. I took it. I went. I volunteered to do grass sledding with them at Butser Hill. Okay, cool. So I just took a load of cardboard boxes and some tape. Right, we're going to make some sleds. And down down the hill we go. And, uh, you know, straight away, the uh, instructor, teacher, whatever they are. Leader. Um, leader, yeah. The leader just said, right, you know, we might get some cuts and bruises, but at the end of the day, we're rolling down a steep hill. So. <laughs> and I was, you know, that's, it's refreshing to it these days, to be fair, with health and safety and whatnot, you know. It was, it was nice that he's involved in something like that, and he loves it, so... We're uh, yeah, really into him pursuing that. And our little girl does baton twirling. Okay. Um, so she does three sessions a week. And one of them is like a gymnastics type session as well. And she's, you know, doing competitions. And wow. that sees her and Charlie go away for weekends to do the competitions and that. But she absolutely, she's dedicated to it. She is, she's definitely got, you know, an endurance athlete in her somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, I wonder why. Yeah, I'd never push her in that direction, but she has got. She's dedicated enough to do it. You know, she she works hard for an eight year old. She works hard at uh, twirling and all that stuff. So mm. yeah, I'm really proud of her for that for doing that and sticking with it. And then obviously, you know, me and Charlie are running every five minutes we get. Yeah. So it's you know it's literally you know we take for 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 long runs we take a day of the weekend each so. I'll get up early on Saturday. I, I'm a morning person, so I've got no issue getting up at five, going and running, um, you know, sort of 20, 25 miles, meeting them at boot camp, boot camp, and then home. Charlie's, Charlie runs with a group of joggers, group you know, runners called the Clanfield Joggers. Um, and so they meet up on a Sunday, so again, she'll run to meet them, run with them, and run home, and, you know, getting up 20, 25 miles. Hmm. Um, and then we both find time to fit runs in between. Again, I I can do it in the morning, but I'll get up early before before everyone wakes up. Charlie, more evening or while the kids are at their club, she'll go out and run. Um, you know, drop them off, run and pick them up. And it is just it's a case of mating time, not yeah. finding time. You know, you you can get it done if you're willing to. And it seems you have a pretty established routine, as you said, and mm-hmm. and. And it all it all fits in. Yeah. What happens when something goes wrong? Uh, um, one of us are grouchy because we didn't get our running <laughs> probably. <laughs> no, we yeah. You know, obviously, things do go wrong. Things plans change. Um, we, you know, at the end of the, we don't beat ourselves up if we miss a run or miss a boot camp, or the kids can't get to their club for one night. You know, we we uh, the kids are like the priority, so they will their clubs and what they want to do come come first, and then. If we can fit in what we want to do, we do. If we can't, like I say, we're not going to beat ourselves up about it. Also, we both, uh, 
train train with like a cycle of three hard weeks and an easy week. Okay. So a deload week. Yeah. People would call it. Yeah. And then so if we can work things that if we've got to do something, we can do it during one of our easy weeks, and then that person can take control of the thing we need to do, so the other person can run. And it's I mean, it's much easier now because Charlie's running as well, so we both understand that we you know we want to do that we've got to do that to do what we want to do and so it's not just one of us disappearing every five minutes to go running on our own it's you know like i said we understand each other. Life, yeah. yeah yeah and i think that that's something that's really important in you know whether it be at work with work colleagues or in relationships you know, when you have a similar set of values and you're working towards something uh, similar it's going to go a lot better if you understand the perspective um, of the other person. If it's very similar to boot, then you get it and, it, and and it's much more likely to happen than if people are pulling in different directions. You know, there might be a certain amount of grace and people try to understand it, but it's different if you have different values. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I, Charlie's always been really supportive, um, which is cool. But I think if she had a different interest that was completely different, far out to what I'm doing it might be more of a struggle because she wouldn't get why I feel I need to go and run mm. ridiculous miles. Um, you know, she'd go, oh, can't you just make it short one today? You know, <laughs> and it's like, you know, but now, you know, it, it works. It's so I think it's important for people to have an individual interest, even in a relationship. And although we have the same interest, it is an individual thing. So Charlie's, yeah. you know, we're always training for a different race or, if it so happens we're training for the same race like we was recently, we're both going out about it different ways for different reasons. Mm. And as much as I'll help Charlie with training plan or whatever, whatever she needs, it is her thing and my running is my thing. And, you know, get the odd occasion where we can run together, but that rarely happens. It's nice when it does. But again, generally, we're doing our own thing with it. So, and I think that's important, you know, if they're like, a healthy relationship and stuff to to have your own thing as well as things yeah. you do together for sure so when did she start running you, cause uh, you the way you spoke about it is she started after you yeah i mean she's always um so she's always around sort of around or exercise a little bit even from when she was young so her, her dad was in the army and he's always ran uh, because his thing is running's probably the best form of exercise he's sure. just decided that and that's the way I think they run a lot in the army so he never I'm pretty sure they do yeah he never he never lost that and um, so she's always sort of ran and had the idea but she decided a couple of years back trying to remember the date of the year um, she said she wants to run a marathon before she's 30 just you know sort of I'd, I'd been running mar- I'd run a couple of few marathons a couple of ultras and stuff by then and she wanted to run, and, you know, so that's, you know, a huge achievement, lifetime thing, yep, want to do that by the time I'm 30, which she did. She ran a marathon when she was 29. She had, she's like, had four months before her 30th birthday, she ran a marathon and, you know, got the bug from there. And then she's like, oh, I want to run another marathon, maybe. So I ran her first marathon with her, and it was a completely flat course um, along the River Thames. Nice. Yeah, it was like two loops around the River Thames basically or around a section of the River Thames same weekend as the London Marathon strangely but about uh, 10 miles down the road yeah um, 
And you know, she, you know, she, again, she done well. She had a really good day. She ran uh, marathon five hours and a minute, I believe it was, which again, re- respectful time for a woman running a marathon, first marathon and stuff. Um, so that was great. And then she, you know, got the bug. And then she wanted, she said she wanted to run a trail marathon um, because again, she first trail running. Yeah. So she ran a marathon in Winchester called the Big Way Round remember the date but it was this year um and it was she already had it in her mind doing the 50k so that's sort of like a training run to see where she's at again it was a lot a lot harder course hilly hilly marathon and she, again she ran it in five hours and a couple of minutes maybe 10 minutes i think and then she's already set to the 50k so yeah and then it's just you know it's the way i've done it you you look for the next you finish one you look for the next challenge and it's either you're going to try and run faster or you're going to run further yeah. Um, and when you start, I mean, she'd done a couple of half marathons before, but really started really with a marathon. And when you start at a marathon and you're looking for another challenge, you know, obviously, you know, you're going into ultra marathons yeah. and things seem a bit extreme all of a sudden. I, I'm really interested to see on a, yeah, on a, on a personal level, um, I'm training for the great stuff. One of the moments, as you know, because you came out with me um, on my first training run this week. Um, but um, whether, you know, once I've done the 10 miler, which will be the furthest I've, I've ever run, if I will then go, right, I'm going to try and do a half marathon before the end of the year so I can do a marathon next year, mm. or whether I'm just going to sack it off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just about to say, you've done all that training for 10 miles, you might as well get a half marathon in. Well, yes, I think, you know, it's, it's not that much further, is it? No, exactly. You, you'll get them, them three miles done on adrenaline alone on the day. Yeah, quite but, possibly. Um, but yeah, that, again, you know, I'd already been running uh, when Charlie ran her first marathon, and that was as a joke. Obviously, you know, um, I'd sort of said, "You might as well do a fifty k now. Yeah. It's only another five miles. Sure, I'm sure you can manage." Yeah, yeah. And you know, something something clicks, and she sort of it starts going over in her head. She thinks, "Yeah, I probably could." And she's got a great mental attitude anyway. She's got a good work ethic, so. She, she's 100% capable of anything like that she wants to do 100% she, like I say she's looking at maybe 100k next year cool. um, which is a really awesome weekend really awesome race um, so it is it is the one to do I think personally it's in Petersfield they do loads this is the Salomon the Salomon Serpent Trail yeah, yeah. Um, they run a 100k 50k 20k which is just under a half marathon yeah and a 10k and they, you know, the people that put it on are awesome and they absolutely, you know, behind every person that turns up. You know, if you don't finish, if you finish a 10k, if you walk the whole 10k, whatever, you are, you're a hero when you finish line, 100%. It's a great, you know, the ultra running community is generally a great community. Bunch of modest people. You could be stood next to the guy that's going to win the race by hours and you wouldn't know it. So, so that's... Uh, Charlie's story and um, how Charlie started. Tell us uh, a bit about when you started running and what was the catalyst for you deciding to uh, start running. Yeah, I was not exercising at all. I was why? Um, I, I weren't really ever someone that was into exercise. I didn't like PE at school. <laughs> uh, you know, when they do the cross country bit at school, we just do a couple of laps of a field. I was the one walking at the back. Yeah, wondering why we're doing, why we're wasting our time with this. So I was never. I done um, done like karate when I was a kid, um, 
and bits like that, but I didn't really connect that with fitness. I don't, I don't know why, you know. Um, but so yeah, so fitness weren't really something I was interested in. Uh, I was overweight and you know terrible diet. Looking back now, I think how did I let myself eat that? But um, yeah, and then Charlie was pregnant with Maisie, our oldest. Oh, just yeah, you start asking yourself some serious questions when you're going to be a dad, I think. And I think it's you've got to be really honest with yourself. And I think people, when a big change like this, people go one or two ways. They're either really brutally honest with themselves, almost to the point of bullying themselves into something, or not. They're, they're not, they're telling themselves, you know, it's all right, you know, whatever. And whichever, you know, whatever you do, you. But I was honest with myself and I thought, I don't want to be. This ain't the role model that I would want a kid to have. Mm. So uh, that was that. Basically, it was like, you know, it's not as simple as an overnight change, but mental attitude definitely was. And I just started, I started exercising, um, you know, running here and there. Got terrible shin splints for ages. Okay. And um, I didn't, you know, first, first sign of it, I'd just stop, you know, you Google anything, just stop running. That's the answer. So... All right, stop running a couple of weeks later. I think I haven't got anywhere with my plans of, you know, getting that more active. So I'd start running again. Shin splints come back, stop for a couple of weeks. And it, this went on for a long time. And um, and I just, I read uh, ice, you know, carry on running, but ice between runs. And I've done that and just, you know, grit my teeth, basically. And it did get better. Um, did it? Wow. Is, I've found out since uh, it's... The ligaments around, I don't know, I'm not, but the ligaments in the lower part of your leg need to build up to be able to take the constant pounding of running. Okay. Um, and basically what I was doing was I was damaging the ligaments, letting them recover, but they weren't building. So I had to, you know, basically run through it to a yeah. point, which, you know, I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, not advising no. it, but that's what I'd done and it worked for me and then I could... And then, yeah, I signed up. We went to South Sea just for a day out and we saw people running the South Sea Marathon. And I just said to Charlie on, you know, just off the cuff, I said, wouldn't it be great to run a marathon once in your lifetime? Even if you never run again, you know, when you're an old overweight guy, wouldn't it be cool to tell someone (laughs) you run a marathon? And, um, you know, we had a bit of a chat about it and it didn't really go much further than that. A couple of weeks later, I found online the people that put it on and I sent a couple of emails, and I was like, yes, you know, sign up. You've got nearly a year to train for it. Basically, what could go wrong? <laughs> you know, um, what could go wrong? Yeah, so, again, runners and people like that, super positive, like, yeah, of course you can do it, you know, yeah. sort of people. So I said to Charlie, you know, what do you think if I did? And she straight away said, well, I support you in anything you want to do, but I think you're mental. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm going to do it then. So done that, um, signed up. Straight away decided to do it for charity. Again, you know, if you knew me back then, you'd never believe I'd run to my own back gate, let alone <laughs> run a marathon. So it was like, it's quite a shock for some people. But it meant I was raising money and, I get, um, you know, I thought, well, people give me money, I better see this thing through. And I do, I still remember to this day, like when my longest run was eight miles and I thought my legs were going to fall off. And it was just ridiculous, like how much pain I was in after running eight miles on a Sunday afternoon, um, and thinking, oh, I can never, 
I can't run 10 miles, let alone, yeah. you know, running. And then I remember, you know, you do that a few times, gets a little easier, I ran 13 miles, as it happens, and it's still the case now, uh, Charlie's mum and dad live 13.1 miles from our house. <laughs> so, you know, we go for a Sunday dinner and I'll run there rather than jump in the car. And, uh, yes, I ran my first half marathon. And I remember, again, I remember sitting there thinking, you know, my legs just in pain and thinking, how could I turn around and do that again? Never yeah. going to happen, you know. But you get there, it's, uh, it does happen. You know, it's patience. It's, it's a slow game, you know. Um, also, I think it's a men- mental, mental attitude. When you know you're nearly finished, you think you're done. You think, oh, I can't run another step. But if you know you're only halfway, you're, you know, more likely to carry on. Mm. So, it's a, you know, I think any sort of endurance sport is more of a mental game than a physical one. You need to be at a relative level of fitness, but you'd get around the marathon if you had to, just if you really wanted to. I think people are going to wonder um, where I've been in this podcast because uh, I haven't had to really ask you anything because you, you're way more of a talker than you make yourself out to be. When it comes to, I think, this subject, it's like you've thought about it a lot, you know a lot about it, and, and when you... You have a lot to say on the subject and you come across, uh, I think a lot of people would be surprised when they hear you're, you're only 31 because you you come across so level-headed and in a positive way. Man, you can talk way more than you let on. <laughs> <laughs> I've, uh, I've spent a lot of times in the dark, in the woods on my own. So, you know, I've, uh, I've thought about this stuff. I suppose you do get a lot of thinking time when uh, on on the ultras I, I suppose I didn't really think about that element it, I guess that's where it becomes so mental yeah um, you know they say you know these think you know exercise in general but running is really good for your mental health and I think you go out for an hour's run you're going to solve loads of your own problems you know you can ask for some reason you've got answers to your questions when you're out on a run and I think it's sort of they become, you know, it becomes, your own thoughts become a distraction from what you're doing mm. and there is no other distractions. You know, it's too easy, it's at home, it is too easy, look at your phone, look at the TV, there are a hundred things you should be doing around your house and yeah. you prefer to do any one of them than answer the own, your own questions, you know. Um, so, yeah, I think it's, that's a huge part of running in general but ultra running is just, an, you know, another level of that when you're looking at uh, you know, like twelve hours in the dark, and you mm. might not see another person. It's uh, it's gonna, it's gonna happen. You're gonna have a few sort of faults. Yeah, wise words for a scaffolder. Yeah. <laughs> when did you join bootcamp? Uh, so it was pretty much a year ago. So I joined two weeks before the Serpent Trail. Okay. Um, last year, yeah. So that's that early, always early July. So I've been there just over a year. And you got best newcomer for Waterlooville last year. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, I was I was genuinely surprised at that. Were you? Why? Yeah, because I'm not. You know, I say I said to you, I'm not much of a talker. You you say otherwise, but um, in this context, yeah, you, you can really talk. But um, I think it's because of the kind of conversation we're having. Yeah, um, but go on. You're saying you're not much of a. a so I'm not not much of a social person in general. Um, I, I haven't been. For a long time, I think 
I just you know, focus on myself and my direct family and mm. you know I haven't got it's going to sound horrible and this ain't the case but I haven't got time for anyone else you know um, it's it's, uh, it's it's not meant like that but that's like I say I'm just not a social person so I'm thinking boot camp is big on community which so it should be you know I think that is awesome and some people really need that more than others um, but I just thought I'm not that sort of person so I probably wouldn't be seen as the, you know, ideal boot camper if there is one because I maybe don't have the sort of community social side that some of the others do. So, you know, I've always, I went to boot camp, my first session at boot camp, I was always confident in my ability to do what Pete would ask us to do, but I wasn't confident in like teamwork and okay. things of that nature just because it's other people. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I remember Charlie, um, she, she was going before me and she knew people there and with our first session, my first session was, was doing something in pairs and uh, I thought, oh, that's great, I'll go Charlie. And she just, she went, all right, I'm going with, um, someone, I can't remember who it was, someone else. She said, I think that guy's called Rich, you can go with him. <laughs> and I'd say that was, my first session was with Rich Green, yeah. And um, yeah, you know, Rich is a lovely guy and, you know, we had a good time and, but generally that is so far out of my comfort zone yeah. just going up to someone and going right let's go do this you know whatever it was and so I think that's why I was surprised because like I say I don't fit what I think maybe the ideal boot camper would be I think that's really interesting because I think what really comes across from outsiders looking in with you and Pete and I have spoken about this in relation to you is it's because uh you're a really humble guy um, and, and you're clearly a, a high performer, but it never comes across in your attitude. And, um, and, and maybe that's an art, like a side effect of, of you not being comfortable in that environment. But I think there is, you know, whenever you talk about the running community and, and, and the ultra running community in particular, you, you've spoken about how modest they are and that's clearly translated into how you are. And for for boot camp, I think that is perfect. Uh, you know, the aim of us all coming together isn't to you know, score highest in the Blanchard Trophy or, or, or be the fittest person there. It's to um, make exercise a comfortable environment for everybody. So when you know one of the fittest people there is as humble as you are, I think it comes across much better than you clearly realised it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, it's sort of you know that was an eye opener. I wasn't at the awards night, but I got the picked the award up off Pete later, and you know he sort of said you're really well deserved and all that stuff. Mm. And like I said, I think it was a bit of an eye opener in that sense. Um, but yeah, I, 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 don't know. I don't know. It's it's you know I'm, I'm proud of it. You know I, I really appreciate the sort of yeah. the vote of confidence, I guess. But I think you need to be careful, mate, because if you keep coming, like you know, before you know it, you're going to get voted for another award, <laughs> um, and. Um, yeah, you're going to have to get used to accepting this because you've become a really key part of the community. Um, Appreciate that. Okay, so you would have just heard our feature interview on, on Billy Price. I'm now here with Pete Lyons. Uh, Pete, give us a rundown about some of the things Billy's achieved because he's a very humble guy yeah. and he's spoken loads about some of his, his running achievements and running um, journey and the lessons he learned. 
but he's not one to shout about some of the no. achievements that he's done in terms of our community. And we we thought we'd um, stitch him up and highlight <laughs> uh, just how well he's done. And actually, what an inspiration yeah, he is. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I just want to say a big, big shout out to, to Billy. Um, there's no airs and grace about him. He's such such a nice fellow, you know. He and but he's ridiculously fit. For anyone who knows him down there, like, um, you know, he runs a hundred mile races and stuff like that. And he's he's very close to getting nationally ranked, you know. But he he is one to inspire other people, gets amongst them, encourages them, and it, and he's it's just such such good for the environment. Um, looking back to when he came down, so his wife first come down, Charlie came down, um. And she, obviously she was with her friends and stuff like that. She she mentioned to him to come down, and he, he didn't really think it was for him at first, you know. Yeah. Um, but since he's since he's come down, he, he's 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 just um, he's just run run away with it really, you know. Like he's he uh, you know you see how he trains on the sessions, you know, doing the strength and condition stuff that we do. Obviously the running is his his go to and his forte, you know. He's always going to be good at that, but you know the strength and conditioning stuff now, you know. I look at him when he's doing the the clean presses on the big bar. You know he's strong, he's fit, he's agile, yeah. he's powerful. Um, yeah, so you know he's he's done really well. Uh, and looking at his first year, um, and that is why he came and he won most improved. And do you know what? In the first year, he actually got quite a few votes for boot campers, boot yeah. camper. You know, it's not surprising. One of the things that really came across for me in the interview is that he's really sold on the ethos of yeah. boot camper and. Um, you know, really enjoyed the strong person. Yeah. Um, an event that doesn't necessarily play to his strengths, but that was partly why I enjoyed it so yeah, much. Yeah. And he really enjoys the element of all the boot camp locations encouraging each other. And that yeah. really came out of the strong person event because there was no waves and yeah. what kind of stuck around. Because yeah, looking back, when you do these hot, you know, it's a lonely place when you do these hundred mile races. You know. Yeah. Um, Especially in the middle of the night. Yeah, middle of the night on these races, you know. So he probably does appreciate that when he gets down there and does the events, everyone's shouting and cheering his name and, and getting, you know, and pushing him on. You know, so he, you know, we all enjoy that. Looking at the the the, the finish to the Blantar Trophy, though, he's he's sitting in second place at the moment. He is, yeah. Um, but the 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 events probably what you know, even though Steve's a bit of a runner as well, Steve Hall is leading the competition at the moment, um, so it's going to be a very fiercely and hotly contested end to that competition yeah um, particularly on the king of the hill the king of the hill um, it, it, i think it's going to come down to who can read a map <laughs> you know what i think it, I, I, I forget about the orienteering but i think you're absolutely right yeah, yeah can we make sure he gets he has to be paired up with somebody who's um, i hope there's a reading map yeah i'd like to see him get paired up with his wife <laughs> I think what we've got there is somebody who um, it, you know, is really invested in what we do, um, in, inspires others, but um, isn't a show off, and that's no, that's, and, and really, that's really nice. That's 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 what I, I, I don't like, I don't want any egos. Like you know, like we um, all the all the sessions that we have down there are, are tailored in a way that you know if you are just starting fitness, then you can still do it, or if you're on the other spectrum and you're you know you're a nationally ranked elite athlete like everyone is the same there is there is no there is no egos and if we had that then we'd probably politely say that you know like there's other places for you to go and train and 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 we're lucky that billy's not like that yeah 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 absolutely keep it up billy we're so thankful to have you and um i hope you've all enjoyed uh, this little uh, highlights package of uh, what makes Waterlooville special and uh, a featured interview with one of its key members